welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Jay Stevens Podcast. This is uh, episode number 113, dedicated to a man who on July 16th, 1924, became the first person in Major League Baseball history to hit a home run in six consecutive games, Mr. George Kelly. And as always, thank you for sitting and downloading to another episode of the podcast on today's episode, I am joined by Mr. Ross Jackson, host of the Locked On Saints podcast, to come on and help us get ready for the upcoming New Orleans Saints football season. Drew Brees, Alvin Kamara, Michael Thomas, Emmanuel Sanders, man, my goodness, this team is loaded. And what Drew Brees and the Saints are going to plan on doing is what Peyton Manning did his last year in the league, which is over there in Denver with the Denver Broncos. Peyton Manning went out holding up the Lombardi, and Drew Brees in his farewell tour is planning on doing the same exact thing. Ross will help us get ready for that. I am sure you guys will enjoy the conversation Ross and I had just as much, if not more, than Ross and I did. But before we get to that conversation, one big announcement here on the podcast is this. The podcast has recently teamed up with Plutus Sports Analytics to help you make wiser bets. Yes, all of you out there, you guys that bet on sports, you make wise bets already. But Plutus Sports Analytics is here to help you make wiser bets. They do all the heavy lifting. They use the analytics. They provide the predictions. You use their predictions. You make money. You make more money. They allow you to help you and assist you to make more money everybody wins to sign up for one of their subscriptions which aren't that pricey to sign up for one of their subscriptions and also save money on them head to plutusportsanalytics.com that is p-l-u-t-u-s sportsanalytics.com type in the promo code jsp10 once again the promo code is jsp10 to get 10 percent off of subscription you will get predictions you will make more money they'll assist you and make more money everybody wins once again Plutus sports analytics to assist you in making wiser bets promo code jsp10 to get 10 percent off your subscription let's go ahead and take a trip to the state of california well that is where ross is currently but we're talking about the new orleans saints to enjoy my fun conversation with mr ross jackson as we help all of you saints fans get ready for the upcoming new orleans saints football season hey ross welcome to the podcast hey brother very very glad to be here man thank you very much for having me on glad to be here with you yes sir no problem man no problem COVID 19 we can't get rid of it it's it's everywhere what is the scene let's go with you first specifically what's the scene how has it been for you your family then also group that with the new orleans scene and Mm -hmm. how things are down there yeah. So for me personally, I'm Gucci. I'm all good. Family's good. Everybody's fine. Uh, you know, my, my mother's a lung cancer survivor, so she's staying like in and everything. She's actually up in Arkansas uh, with my stepdad who also has some health issues. So everybody around us in terms of like what's in my immediate circle, we're all just staying inside. Like even when they open back up, my fiance and I were like, nah, no, 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 we, nah, we, we ain't that, going man. for none of that. that. Yeah. We're like, we're Gucci, man. We, we, cause we both work from home primarily at this point anyway. 
and stuff. And so we're fortunate enough to have that, you know, that, that scenario and it's just us. So it's easy to just kind of like stay in and, and we're all good. So, you know, we're, we're healthy, we're safe, we're happy, which is, which good. is good. good. Uh, I know a couple of people that have contracted, but have come out on the other end fine and everything, or at least like, you know, okay. Right. 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 Um, and all. And so, you know, it, it is as it is in terms of, you know, where everybody's Gucci at the moment. So we're just trying to stay that way. It's all about maintenance right, at this right. point. So I appreciate you asking. Uh, in, in New Orleans, man, I mean, it was scary at first because, you know, coming out of Mardi Gras, the numbers were way, way, way up. That was one of the first sort of big hot spots that we saw was New Orleans and people coming down to Mardi Gras and then going back to their their cities and stuff. And so that's where you saw like Seattle really get hit and New York really mm-hmm. get hit and stuff like that. So that time during that time, it was really, really tough. And then it got better. And then like most cities across the US oh, reopened way too quick. Uh, and now a whole lot of issues going through. So I mean, it's numbers are coming going back up at the moment. That's causing some concern, causing some issues uh, for the Saints. It hit very close to home because Sean Payton contracted it he did. himself. He, did. he was the yeah, he was the first person within the NFL family, quote unquote, that was diagnosed with it. Obviously, he's okay now. That happened a while back. He's recovered. He hardly had any symptoms or anything like that, so he was good. But uh, but yeah, so it's it's you know it's concerning at the moment when you watch those numbers come up, and then you try to take a little bit of solace in the idea that you know every time that somebody tests while they're infected, and that te- same test, yeah, like that test comes back positive, the multiple times that they test while they're trying to get cleared, that that all counts as an individual test. You try to take some solace in that, but at the same time, you just err on the side of safety, man, and just stay inside. That's all I've been doing. Like I'm Amazoning everything right now. Amazon's getting all my money and I'm not ashamed <laughs> of it. I'm buying black where I can and everything too, like hitting up webuyblack.com and trying okay, to get some okay. of the black owned, you know, stuff taken care of and some of the local spots and stuff like that. But you better believe I'm on, you know, every Wednesday I'm up on Amazon fresh. Like, all right, what groceries am I getting delivered today? Cause right, I ain't right. about to step out there. <laughs> <laughs> no, I feel that man. And, uh, you mentioned, uh, people testing positive. My aunt actually has it and mm. she didn't know she had it until she was right. in the hospital for a few weeks, ventilator, all that stuff. I mean, it was a bit, wow. it was hit, hit her hard. And then when she woke up, when she realized she got it, she started crying. And I forget if right. my mom was there or not. It's my mom's sister. So, it's hitting home for everybody, a buddy yeah. that I played football with. He got it. I was actually at a basketball tournament in March, high school basketball tournament, mm-hmm. right before everything shut down. And there were guys at that tournament, sold out gym, packed, wild, crazy atmosphere. Yo. And there were, I want to say, four or five older people that were, in the, that were in, at that game that passed away from it. And then there wow. were more people that got it that were there. Right, right, right. Um, so it's just one of those things, like, you don't expect this. You can't plan for it. Right. All we can do is do what we can to take care of ourselves, take care of others. And that's about it, man. That's, that's all I got. Like, I'm not, I'm no doctor. I'm not the smartest guy in the world, but just try to do what you can to help everybody out. That's exactly right. Yo, when this all hit like on, on March 12th, when everything really started to shut down, I was actually in Connecticut because my, one of my other jobs is that I work in live theater. And so we were doing a show in Connecticut and I remember maybe five days before it shut down, I was in a, what, what was the city that I was in? I can't remember the name of the city I was in, but I was there and uh, I remember opening up Twitter and you know, like it'll give you like the geo tags and it'll tell mm-hmm. you what's trending in your area. Well, in Connecticut, the city that I was staying in, which is a really small city, started trending on Twitter. And I was like, oh, hell no. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> and I opened it up and it was like first case of coronavirus, like positive coronavirus tested in, Can- in Connecticut. It was in, the, and not only was it in the city that I was in, it was in the hospital, straight up, no lie, across the street from where I was staying. I was like, I'm leaving. I'm up right. out of here. Goodbye. Right. Bye. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> I was gone so fast. And we ended up shutting everything down like March 12th. And that, that 
13th, right? Uh, uh, March 13th was a Friday. So it was a Friday the 13th. I don't fly on Friday the 13th. I feel that. I grew, I feel that. I, grew, I, I grew up in a superstitious, in a superstitious household. I don't mess with that. But with this, I was like, give me on a plane. Give me on a plane. I'm flying back. I'm out of here. I left so fast on me. <laughs> <laughs> I feel that, man. It's just like Friday the 13th, it's different than everybody. I mean, you know, you got hotels, hotels right. do things. I think right. on planes, there's no 13th row. Right. All these different things. So I feel you like, not, not, nah, nah, nah. nah I'm ain't, good. the time. But that was an <laughs> exception. I was like, I'm getting, you better believe I'm getting on that plane on Friday the 13th. I ain't waiting for no Saturday the 14th to roll around. I am up <laughs> out of here. <laughs> man, man. So COVID-19 is interesting because when you look at it, we all want it to end. We don't, we, we're, if it ends abruptly, we're going to be happy. Right. Going back to last season, I hate to do transitions like this, but going back to last mm-hmm. season, the Saints season ended abruptly. And Saints fans weren't happy. Mm -mm. What was kind of, and I know you do some stuff for SB Nation, what Mm -hmm. were some of the things you wrote about back then at that abrupt end of the season? Well, the thing that I actually wrote about was I I actually put a big positive spin on it. Not because I was trying to make people, you know what I'm saying? Not because I was trying to make people feel better, but look, you look at 2017, the Saints get bounced from the playoffs by the Minnesota Vikings on the Minneapolis Miracle, right? The big Stephon uh, Stephon Diggs catch, Mm -hmm. Marcus Williams kind of lays down, doesn't really go for a tackle. He just kind of takes a nap. And then Stephon Diggs goes for a touchdown and they win the game. The year after that, a year ago, 2000 or two years ago now, 2018, the Nola No Call, infamous, Nikhil Roby Coleman knocks out uh, Tommy Lee Lewis. Tommy Lewis pops up happy like nothing happened. He should have stayed on the ground, pretend like he was hurt. That would have probably drawn a flag. <laughs> yeah, man. But you, know, you see what you said. But those are two things that are essentially completely out of control. You had a big fluke play and then you had a, a no call that could or could not have affected the end of the game. We'll never know, but the Saints went on to lose that game. This game against Minnesota in the 2019 wildcard uh, uh, game, the game that led to the Saints becoming the first ever 13-3 and team bounced in a wildcard round, that was, a, that, that was a loss that was mainly to do with the way that they played. That was a diagnosable loss. And to me, that was a positive thing. You saw this team come in with a chip on its shoulder after the last two playoff exits because of the fact, look, something happened that was out of our control, right? The impossible had to have miracles had to happen in order for us not to go on this run to the Super Bowl was the type of attitude that was coming from, from Saints fans. And I don't disagree with that. I think that 2018 team was a fantastic team. One of the better Saints teams that we've seen in its time. You know, 2011, 2009, of course, are part of that conversation, 2013 to an extent as well. But when you look at this loss in 2019 in that wild card round against the Minnesota Vikings, lack of uh, protection on the interior was huge on the offensive line. That caused a lot of trouble for them. They also struggled on the edge as well. The defensive line struggled in setting the edge. Dalvin Cook almost became the first 100-yard rusher that the Saints have allowed since Samaji Piran back in 2017 against Washington. Uh, you saw situational play calling be you know, an absolute travesty both on both sides, in particular the Saints struggling with that at, uh, in, going into the fourth quarter and going late into games anyway. Defense actually tightened up a little bit late in that game with the exception of, of course, the final drive when Kyle Rudolph catches the touchdown. So you saw all of the issues there. Everything there was diagnosable. And to me, that is something that you can take as a negative and turn yeah. it to a positive because you can go back and you can watch that film and you can say, this is what we did wrong. And then you can work toward fixing that. And I think that the Saints have done a very good job so far addressing those needs that popped up. You look back at the week, I can't remember what week it was, but off the bye week, I want to say week nine, week 10 okay. uh, against the Atlanta Falcons, the loss there, the 26 to nine loss coming off the bye week. Interior pressure, trouble setting the edge, issues with the secondary, situational play calling. It was like the exact same script in that wild card game. So you got two games to go back to, look at, try to figure out ways to address. And so far, I feel like the Saints have done a pretty good job at that over this offseason. 
I would say so as well. The Saints are a team, and I got a buddy who's a big Saints fan. Me and mm-hmm. him chop it up every now and then, just seeing me, send memes back and forth, jokes mm-hmm. back and forth. He has more to root for because he's a Saint. Well, kind of. I'm a, I, I love the Colts, and the Colts really haven't had mm-hmm. much to root for lately either. <laughs> but, but when it comes to the Saints, it seems like every single year there's hype. There's, mm-hmm. there's a lot of hope. There's a lot of we know what they can do, but we're not sure if they'll do it. You went back to 2017. In my mind, I went back to 2018 with that pass interference call mm-hmm. because that's where most fans go back to. And it's like, well, if they would have done that, how would they have fared in the Super Bowl? And I believe, help me out, I, I forgive. I believe that was the Super Bowl was Rams and Patriots, I believe. Yeah, where the Rams was like scored 10, like, a wild, wild three points. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So you, you would think about that in the way that the, how the Rams played and then how the Saints possibly could have played – uh, it was a crazy, crazy wild game, but the Saints right. would have had a would have had a shot to win that game if they weren't there, if the Rams weren't there. And even last year, I was mm-hmm. actually watching that wild card game, recorded with some buddies here for the podcast, and I'm watching over my over my computer screen. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, cool, cool. Drew Brees is, and then second half, man. I mean, like you said, it. You see, like second half, it was a flop. It, it and it seems like the second half of some seasons, the longer the season goes on people are wondering if Drew Brees is going to be able to hold up, if he'll be able to be who he is. And honestly, farewell tour. I know they brought, brought him Emmanuel Sanders. This, I sure hope, I like Drew Brees. I sure hope this is the year that they don't do what happened last year, the year before and the year right. before, where they finally put all the pieces together and get to the promised land. You mentioned some of the changes how, or some things that went wrong in that wild card game that they can improve upon mm-hmm. that you believe they're going in the right step to make those changes. What are some of those things that you've seen that them kind of put the pieces together to mend what was broken in that wild card game? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Real quick, I want to I want to mention something real quick that you yeah, yeah. a good observation you had about the the sort of trickle off uh, mm-hmm. effect of Drew Brees over the course of the season. The thing that was so crazy about last season is that you know he missed those five games with the UCL tear. Teddy Bridgewater came in, went five and zero. Didn't need to go five and zero, but went five and zero, and that was right. great. And then Drew Brees came in. The thing that made that wild card loss so disappointing is that in December, at the end of the year, Drew Brees was on fire. 15 touchdowns, no interceptions, over 1,100 yards, completing over 70-some-odd percent of his passes, including a game against the Indianapolis Colts in Week 15 where he went 29 for 30. In Guys, he didn't have to bring up that Ooh. game. I was watching that turn oh, it off maybe in the third quarter. That's no, not you're bad. good. You're good. You're good. <laughs> it's what you do. But I was watching that game, and I'm sitting here like – and Drew Brees went to Purdue. I, I live in Indiana, right, so right, kind of right. all those Indiana Hoosier ties – and I'm like, Drew, why do you got to do this to my team? I like you. <laughs> and then, man, every and the coach couldn't do anything. Nah, every man, time they're there, fire, all of a sudden, Drew Brees picking them, picking the defense apart, right. no matter what the coverage was. No, I, I get it. I mean, it, I understand. You had to do it. It's what you do. Right, right. <laughs> but, like, it was just – it was so upsetting because of how promising the end of the season was looking after we watched – a bit of a decline later on in the season because of arm strength and things right. like that. So it was like, oh, okay, sweet, great. We swapped it, right? Like the five games he lost at the beginning. Now he's like in rhythm going to the playoffs. Oh, are they about to eat? And then that happened. So there were some of the things that they've done to address uh, a few of those. So let's talk about the interior offensive line first, because mm-hmm. this was a big thing. You look at a guy like Larry Warford, who's no longer with the team. You look at 2018 going into 2019, where his, his, blown, his uh, blown block, count on both run and pass offense in terms of his run and pass blocking doubled going from 2018 into 2019 so he was not producing very well for the saints at all and that ended up becoming a huge issue could have been one of the reasons why you know they felt more comfortable throwing the ball than running the ball because they felt like they couldn't get that 
push from the inter- from the interior offensive line that they needed with Larry Warford having so much trouble in the blocking game and the run game. So they ended up saying, you know, we're just going to put the ball in the hands of Drew Brees and hopefully Drew's going to be able to lead us to, to these wins. And that worked for a little while, but that could have also been something that led to some of the issues that we saw in Minnesota. So the interior offensive line, they let go of Larry Warford. They just straight up cut him and moved on from him. They drafted Cesar Ruiz out of Michigan, who's a fantastic young center, incredibly smart, super athletic, very, very, very promising young guy with a ton of talent that probably, and for a lot of people, the top interior offensive lineman coming into this draft. And so this was a great pickup for, for the Saints to do there. There's a lot of conversation about whether or not they're going to put him in at right guard or if they're going to use him at center. The thing about him at right guard is that he played two games at right guard when he first got to Michigan and was not great. Those games did not go well for him. And so they ended up moving him over to center and then he took off from there and it became a fantastic asset. So to me, it seems more likely that Eric McCoy, the young interior offensive lineman that they drafted out of Texas A&M in the second round back in 2018, who played and started at center for the Saints in 2019, is probably going to move over to right guard. He's got four, four, nine, four, eight, nine speed at over 300 pounds. Incredibly, incredibly athletic. He was the fastest 300 plus pound offensive lineman in the combine the year that he came in. And this is something that the Saints have done. They've developed, if you add up all of the 40 times amongst offensive linemen across the NFL, they're in the top two in terms of interior, in terms of offensive line speed. This is what they want. They want athletic guys to where they can run those zone reads, where they can run the zone run type of offense that they like to run for uh, Alvin Kamara, to where they can create yardage for him so he can get beyond the line of scrimmage before he initiates first contact, which is a huge benefit in his run style and in his game. So now you have all three of those guys. They re-sign Andrus Pete. Eh, it depends on who you talk to. Andrus Pete, to some people, is a fantastic offensive lineman. Andrus Pete, the Saints fans, they absolutely hate him. So it just kind of depends on who you're talking to. But it's hard to name eight or nine offense, interior offensive line, or let me say eight or nine people at his position at left guard mm-hmm. that are better than him in the NFL. So you got a top 10 guy regardless, right? So a very good offensive lineman. They've done what they needed to do to address the interior, which was their biggest issue, particularly at that right guard spot. They're looking good there. The other big issue that they had was just a limited amount of options. Now I know they had Michael Thomas, they had Jared Cook, Alvin Kamara, Taysom Hill was obviously a big option and probably the best player that they had on the field on their offense in that Minnesota game. But the fact of the matter is that if Taysom Hill is your best player, you're not winning games. Right, probably not right. winning that game. Um, you have Latavius Murray, and you have some of these other guys that you were just kind of waiting to catch on. Ted Ginn Jr. had a great 2017. He's dropped off. He's now in Chicago. Uh, you had Traquan Smith, who they're just kind of consistently waiting to just become more consistent. When Drew Brees is ready to set a record, Traquan shows up. When Drew Brees is not setting a record, Traquan is, not, is nowhere to be found. So he shows up at the, at the most advantageous times and then disappears at the least advantageous. Now they add Emmanuel Sanders, as you referenced earlier. Now all of a sudden you have another option opposite Michael Thomas so that they can play in those personnel groups they want to play. The Saints want to play in 12 personnel. They want to go out there with two tight ends and one running back and still have options. Now instead of only having Michael Thomas and another wide receiver, you've got Michael Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders as two viable options if you plan to do that so you can still remain versatile in your scheme while leaning a little bit heavier on 212 personnel. They're going to be just like the rest of the NFL and go 11 personnel you know, more times than not, but they want to be able to utilize a greater diversity of personnel groups. Over on defense, they got rid of Eli Apple. They have Janoris Jenkins that they brought in late last season to see if he would be able to fit in with the locker room. He fit in great with the locker room, played great, had an interception in week 17 going up against the Carolina Panthers. Yes, it was backups and all that, but still good reps for him. And it earned him a contract extension with the Saints. So he stays there. And the big benefit that he gives you, and this ties into the defensive line, the big benefit that he gives you is that he's physical and he is excellent in man coverage, which is where Marshawn Lattimore is also very impressive. But you weren't able to put Eli Apple or Ken Crawley from years past in those man coverage situations because they would have been absolute toast 
every time. So this defense was relying a lot on zone coverage pretty often. Now they should be able to switch to more of a man focus because Norris Jenkins very effective there. And one of the few cornerbacks in the NFL that creates turnovers off of man coverage. Usually you just see people deter away from their side of the field. Norris Jenkins creates turnovers in man coverage, which is a a very valuable asset. So now you've got him, you've got a leader and a communicator like Malcolm Jenkins, who they also brought back from Philadelphia. That's great. All of that ties into the defensive line too, because when you use man coverage, the longer that it takes the quarterback to get the ball out of his hand, it doesn't make too much of a difference. It just gives the pass rush more time to get after the quarterback and zone coverage. The more time the quarterback has the ball in his hand, the more those zones open up, the more space becomes available and the more ability for the receivers to find holes in the defense, not so much the case in man coverage. So that could benefit this pass rush in the defensive line as well. Correct. I agree. There's a guy on the offense. I go one offense to one defense here quickly. Mm -hmm. Well, we may be on on this one for a while. That's all right. Jameis Winston. (laughs) I ah, went, heard of him. <laughs> I ha- yeah, I have, I've heard of him too. 5,000 yards at one point, but then he led the league in interceptions. Right. 30-30 club. <laughs> Jameis Winston to the Saints, I think it's a good move for him, for his mentals to mature as a quarterback, to know, to learn from two of the best offensive minds, mm-hmm. Drew Brees and then Sean Payton in the league. But also, you don't know what you're going to get. And I've, I'm right. a guy, going back to Florida State, I think it was his first year when they won the national championship at Florida State. I'm like, okay, cool. Last year at BCS, yeah, Brent, Mus- Brent Musburg on the call. I loved the whole game. I watched every second of it. And I'm like, Jameis is my man. I know that Jameis, even in that year, we had issues with Jameis and his decision-making, even in games, having to squint because he couldn't see. I mean, right. we, we, learned, we learned about it. Next year, we saw the Jameis of what we see now. So many bad decisions that he made, even in the Oregon game. I think it was the Rose Bowl that year, the following yeah. year. It was horrible. I mean, it was embarrassing to see – how off he was and how just reading defenses wasn't his forte, but bro, you're a quarterback. (laughs) Like you've been a quarterback since a young age. So you should know what coverage pre-snap, have your pre-snap reads down, know that the defense is probably going to hide some things from you Mm pre-snap the post-snap so you can roll and adjust and roll with the punches. Jameis doesn't do that. He can sling that thing, but also he throws that thing to the other team as well. A lot of people, and I'm sure you got this question a lot as well, Jameis Winston, Taysom Hill, who's going to be the backup? How would this dynamic work with the team? Yeah, it's, it's a fun conversation. I never get tired of talking about it. Because, here's, <laughs> because the, the, the past conversation used to just simply be, what are the Saints going to do after Drew Brees? And there was never an answer for that because the Saints don't draft quarterbacks. And the quarterbacks that they have drafted, they're not very good at developing. And so it's always been about who are they able to pick up and find a free agency. So I love having this conversation because I went from having no answers to a plethora of different answers because there's so many different opportunities here. So when it comes down to the beginning of the season, because for me, I have two answers for this in terms of which one becomes the backup. At the beginning of the season, what makes the most sense is that Taysom Hill is your backup. He has the most understanding. He has the greater understanding of the offense. He has called the plays, which is not a very easy thing to do. This is a West Coast Air Air Coriel offense where you tell every single wide receiver – X slant, you know, Z, you know, you tell them everything, Z fly, uh, you know, uh, uh, Y banana, right? Like you're telling them like everything <laughs> and you're calling them. And in the Saints offense in particular, you're making kill calls too. So you're calling two plays at the line of scrimmage. So then you're saying kill, kill. And then what the second play is, if I call kill at the line of scrimmage. So it, it's, it's, it's tough. It's, it's a much tougher system than just going out there and, you know, calling a six, three, one. And everybody knows what that number mm-hmm. is and, and what, what route that correlates with and the order of the receivers that are supposed to take each one of those numbers. It's a little bit of a different offense. So you know that Taysom Hill already has that experience. You know Taysom Hill's gotten better in terms of knowing when to pull the trigger. He could still pull the trigger a little bit faster and a little bit sooner and trust himself just a little bit quicker, but he's getting into the rhythm of what this offense needs to be. 
because of that, also with the truncated offseason, right? Very, very different offseason here as, you know, these there's not a single team outside of maybe like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who keep getting kicked off of practice fields in different places, meeting up where they're not supposed to meet up outside of, you know, them and a couple of one-on-ones or two-on-twos or whatever that you're really getting an opportunity to see teammates actually get together. So for the most part, these teams haven't looked at each other in the face outside of zoom calls or WebEx calls. So with all of that in consideration, Taysom Hill makes the most sense at the beginning of the season, but once the games become a little bit more important, once you start investing into places or you start entering into the portion of the season to where your games have immediate playoff implications, you lose this game, you potentially lose a seed. You lose this game, you potentially lose the tiebreaker, yada, yada. That might be a time at which if Jameis Winston's LASIK eye surgery helped, if the time that he has spent with Sean Payton and Pete Carmichael and Joe Lombardi and Drew Brees in terms of what he has referenced, what he has referenced as the Harvard of quarterbacking, uh, <laughs> if he's able to you know, pick up what he needs to pick up, then maybe you start to transition a little bit later on in the season to if something happens to Drew Brees, you put Jameis Winston in there and let Taysom Hill maintain his offensive role. And then is that putting you in a better situation? Because you know Jameis is going to go out there, he's going to sit in the pocket, and he's going to be okay making the decision to take a six-yard pass here, a three-yard pass there, and, and, and throw into the check downs, throw into the backside of the backfield instead of forcing things uh, deeper down the field. Now, here's the thing. Jameis wants to come in and throw in 30 interceptions again for the Saints. I don't know that that's really something we're going to see in terms of a total, you know, in terms of a total repeat. I think you know, outside of that 30 interception season, his average is 14 and a half per season, sometimes less, sometimes more. The Saints have had worse from Drew Brees and have won. Right. I think the year that they won the Super Bowl, he had 11 interceptions. Not far after that, he had 22. Because Drew Brees right. used to be a gunslinger. People yeah. forget that. Drew Brees used to be all about trying to get that gun, that ball down the field and take risks and take chances, all of that stuff. So if you're able to get sort of this Jameis Winston that has that ability mm-hmm. stockpiled and ready to go when it's necessary, but can also go a little bit more with the flow of what this offense is predicated on, which is short pat, or which is quick passes to the short and intermediate areas of the field, then that's going to really benefit them. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that it's going to be one answer over the course of the entire season, but I do think that over the course of the season, it seems more likely that you're going to start to transition to Jameis Winston being the lead guy there and then potentially become the, the, the favorite in terms of the heir apparent. Best case scenario for the Saints is that they don't ever have to put Jameis Winston in front of anybody's eyes. That's the absolute best case scenario is that they just work with him privately in, in, you know, uh, in practice and in camp and all that stuff. And nobody ever sees him take the field. That's going to be the Saints best case scenario because then they don't have as much competition like what happened with Teddy this past season to where he didn't have much of a market after 2017. He had Miami, mm-hmm. but the money wasn't super right. And so he was able to come back on a seven and a half, seven point two five million dollar contract as a backup for the Saints. But then when he went out there and went five and oh, then he went and got himself $21 million a year. So uh, let's just say I'm a Saints fan. And the Saints fan, myself, for other people out there, are wondering, can the Saints trust Jameis if Drew gets hurt again? Mm-hmm. Do you, would you say yes to that, no to that, in between? Because I know it's, it, it's, it's just out there. You get a right. guy over 40 years old, if he gets dinged up, and we saw Big Ben this whole year. Yep. And I, think it was a, I think that was a non-contact injury. So right. these guys get older. You, you know how it is. The older you get, your body doesn't function the same as it did Don't a I week know ago it. or a day ago. <laughs> so so uh, Saints fans, people are wondering, can we trust Jameis if Drew goes down? Yeah, it, it's a, I, I think that you grow more confident about that the more time that Jameis has actually had to work with the coaching staff. Okay. The more time that he's had with the coaching staff, the more I lean toward yes. 
right now, unequivocally, I trust Taysom Hill more than I trust Jameis Winston. If Drew Brees were to say, you know what, never mind. Uh, I should have never apologized for what I said. And I'm retiring because I'm tired of all y'all. And then he's, and he walks out. Then all of a sudden for me, put Taysom Hill in there or try to work out a trade and give up everything to get somebody in, whatever it is that you need to do. But, but Taysom Hill is the preference between the two. But over the course of the season, if you get into beyond the bye week, you know, three or four weeks down the road, you, you got the big road trip coming up week 12 against Denver, week uh, 13 against uh, Atlanta, and then week 14 against Philly. You have that, if you're that far in the season and you feel like Jameis has had enough time to work with the coaching staff, then I, then I trust Jameis at that point. So really my answer changes depending upon at what point of the season you're in and how important the games are and what the implications of winning or losing those games might be at that point. They're both very exciting prospects for a Sean Payton offense Mm -hmm. because it's exciting to think about what Sean Payton would do with a guy like Taysom Hill. However, it's more exciting to think about what he would do with a guy like Taysom Hill if he had a full off season to put in that offense. That won't be the case even with or without this pandemic, because they're going to spend this offseason putting in an offense for Drew Brees, mm-hmm. which to me, Jameis Winston can be a little bit more translatable into that as a guy that can sit in the pocket and deliver the football. Exactly. Let's go to the defense here quickly, and I'm, I'll get to the schedule here quickly after that. But there's a guy on the defense that I have seen over and over and over have a big impact on the defense. And then last year, for some reason, maybe I was just blind and I was listening or reading the wrong things. I didn't see much talk about Kiko Alonso at all Mm. and Mm. what kind of impact will he have with this defense we know what he can do but with as my buddy calls it I mentioned it to you earlier Drew Mm. Brees farewell tour right how Kiko Alonso he he has a possibility of being a major impact on the defense and Saints fans I'm sure wondering what can we expect from him yeah I mean a lot of people are excited about Kiko people love him coming into New Orleans the Saints shipped out uh, Vince Beagle to the to the Miami Dolphins in a rare player for player trade straight up just before week one they got him in Alex Anzalone was hurt so the Saints were able to go in there and start guys like Kiko Alonso Demario Davis and AJ Klein which is not a bad lineup to start off with Kiko Alonso if I remember correctly at the beginning of his time didn't see the field a ton because the Saints live in nickel defense about 70 percent of the time a little bit more than 70 percent so that same linebacker is usually off the field right but as right. the season progressed you saw more Kiko Alonso get involved AJ Klein was hurt for a little bit so Kiko got a lot more snaps that way as well he did have an injury at some point late in the season came back from that and then unfortunately during that Minnesota game tore his ACL And so during this offseason, he's really been working to try to get back. The rumors are, not even rumors, in terms of what we're hearing, it's that he is going to be back in time for training camp, and he should be ready to go. Now, he's still probably going to be, it's still a process, right? Even if you're no longer rehabbing, it's still a process to get back and walk on an ACL, nonetheless, go out there and play football on it. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, there is going to be a little bit of a process for him there. But I think that Saints fans should be excited about the fact that Kiko Alonso is coming back. The thing about it is just he has a history of injuries, just like Alex Anzalone has a history of injuries. Outside of Demario Davis at this point, the Saints don't really have fully healthy linebackers. You've got Kiko Alonso who has his injury history. You've got the same thing with Alex Anzalone who struggles with shoulder injuries from Florida and, and, and after uh, during the time in New Orleans, he dealt with those issues as well. Um, Caden Ellis, who they drafted out of Idaho last year late. He ended up tearing his ACL in about the third game of the season. Chase Hansen, the guy that they brought in as an undrafted free agent last year out of Utah. He never even, he was on the uh, NFI list the entire year. So he never even got involved in camp. Craig Robertson's another guy that they have back there, but he's kind of more of a special teams guy than anything mm-hmm. else at this point in his career. So there's still some concerns in terms of what that is really going to translate into in terms of what they have available. But if the Saints are able to keep a fully healthy Demario Davis, Alex Anzalone, and Kiko Alonso for the majority of the season, they're going to be in a really, really good place. 
And of course, they just drafted Zach Bond out of Wisconsin, who they want to work in as an off-ball linebacker at the Sam and Mike positions, as well as use in pass rushing sub packages on third down. So he's somebody that adds that additional depth for you or another potential starter for you, which could benefit a guy like either Kiko Alonso or Alex Anzalone, who have injury history. And you could sort of, you can sort of load manage, if I can borrow a term from LeBron James and, uh, and from the NBA, but you know, it's sort of load manage them in such a way that you don't risk re-injury as frequently. Yeah, yeah, big things coming for the Saints. Like I mentioned earlier, I say it all the time, big Drew Brees guy. I won't say I'm as big as a lot of Saints fans are, but I, I expect big things from Drew Brees. Now, as I, look, I was looking at the <laughs> schedule, you already mentioned that road, the road test with the Broncos, the Falcons, and the Eagles, Eagles kind of in the middle to the halfway part after the bye week. So you kind of – it's kind of that stretch where I call it like the fourth quarter of the season. You got to get right. everything ready. You got you to gotta make sure – you're ready for every test, every battle, because you're vying for playoff seeding. Now, granted, you're going to have an extra team in, uh, in the playoffs mm-hmm. this year, the seven versus six. But as we saw last year with the 49ers and Seahawks, last game, right. Sunday night football, a half a yard separated them between the first seed and I believe yep. the fifth seed. So seeding is everything. Home court, adva- I mean, home court, home field advantage throughout the whole playoffs or you're on the road and you're playing in the wild card game last year. Drastic difference between how you prepare and how you're just going into every single game. But as you view the Saints' schedule, they got now they're lucky they do get that Christmas Day game against the Vikings. I don't know how they got that and they pulled it off with the NBA and said, "Hey NBA, um, I know you guys rule Christmas Day, but we're going to take this one over, go right <laughs> back to the wild I think the wild card game." When right. as you mentioned, Kyle Rudolph made a touchdown catch, and as he made it, I was shocked. Beautiful catch, beautiful throw. But at the same time, I was going for the Saints during that game. But right. as you view, as you view the schedule for the Saints, how do you think they'll fare? Yeah, I think that the over-under for them in Vegas right now is set at 10.5. I'm willing to take the over for them because, for me, I'm looking at an 11 or a 12-win season. There's a lot of people that look at this team and go, oh, 13-3, they're going to be great. You know, They're going to go 13-3 for a third year in a row. That's extremely hard. Making the playoffs for a fourth season in a row is an extremely hard thing to do. But this is a team that has 37 wins over its last three seasons and has really – They've put together a roster that I think, at least on paper, now there's a whole lot of buts and ifs and nuances to consider with the fact that this offseason has been as wacky as it's been but and as limited as it's been. But with the way that it is, the Saints on paper have an extremely talented roster. And if any, if that comes out at 85% to start the season, they're in, they're in a really, really good place to be. Uh, sort of be able to take advantage of younger teams or teams with bigger changes. You look at their first couple of opponents, uh, you look at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, that's a whole new system. Tampa Bay bringing in Tom Brady, having you know different weapons on the offense, not having addressed their secondary the way that they probably should have addressed their secondary. The addition of Antoine Winfield can be huge, but how quickly with the truncated offseason does he actually get out on the field? So it gives the Saints an opportunity, a team that has carried through further cohesion, carried through more familiarity, and carried through more continuity in terms of their personnel and coaching staff, in terms of their communication with one another. That can put them in a position, and being at home, even though it seems very likely that there won't be fans at home, I would imagine, you look at that as a potential good sign for the Saints, who tend to struggle in the opening game. They lost five in a row, and then they almost dropped last season in that big-time, fantastic game against uh, Houston and everything. And so you look at the Saints potentially actually coming out and having a pretty favorable matchup to open up the season just based upon what the particular scenario and circumstances are of this season. If they're able to start out hot, which they need to because the opening schedule, as you mentioned, is much easier 
then the schedule after the bye week, in particular in the last 10 weeks of the, I'm sorry, the beyond the 10th week of the season. So you look at that and then it gets a little bit tougher because they have that three game road trip. Philly just announced today that the expectation is no fans in the stands in Philadelphia, whether it be for the Eagles or for the Phillies that could work in the saints favor as that would be their third game on that oh, yeah. road trip. Oh, you know yeah. what I'm saying? That changes the home stadium field dynamic and the home field advantage for a team like Philadelphia where the fans are raucous mm-hmm. and the fans are ready to get going. And so that could be huge for the saints, but then they follow that up immediately hosting the Kansas city chiefs, potentially not having their own home stadium fans and home field advantage in that scenario. And then they have that Christmas game that somehow the NFL swindled out of the uh, NBA. I don't they know, do man. it every now and every now and then they just flex the muscle and they're like, yeah. we're going to take Christmas this year and everything. <laughs> I, I don't know what it is. Every now and then Roger comes through, like, give me Christmas and everything. So I don't know, but the saints would ha- have that, that game. Now that game, it kind of stinks because it's on Christmas night and you hate that for the team and the players and the coaches and everybody all of a sudden has to work on Christmas and is away from their families, but it's on a Friday night as opposed to a Thursday night. So in actuality, they get an extra day of preparation in lieu of a game that would usually be on Thursday. So that is a little bit of a positive. You see, I'm always trying to put the positive spin on it. Yeah, I like it. I like it. That can work out for them. You know what I'm saying? And then if they can get beyond that in a positive place to where they're, you know, already up in seating or anything like that, then that gives them a good place. But they've got tough games. When they have that San Francisco game early on, they have the Green Bay game. They have the Chargers game, which I think is a team that a lot of people are ready to sleep on, but that can be better than expectations uh, going into 2020, especially considering, depending upon how quickly they figure out the quarterback situation and how quickly they figure their continuity and communication but i think the saints are a double digit team double digit win team again this year uh they're outside of the kansas city chiefs probably one of the more the uh, team that's maintained more of its starters on on the team which is going to be very important going into this year and so i think with all of that i still look at them being a double digit team a double digit win team i look at them as maybe a 12 and 4 or 11 and 5 but i know a lot of people would push that to 13 and 3 Okay. This was fun. Um, I normally do, and I'm still going to do it. Forgot to mention it to you earlier. Mm-hmm. At the end, we always do some rapid fire. Like nine yeah, questions yeah. come really quick at you. Some will be sports related. Some will not be. Great. Some will be about football. So the Saints, some will not be. So just kind of just first thought that comes to your head. And at, after this, um, take some, I'll take some time to promote yourself, what you're doing, Locked on Saints, some articles you're writing, things like that. Appreciate you, man. So, Ross, no problem. Ross, number one, you kind of just alluded to it. Will the Saints win the division? Yes. Favorite Saints addition from the offseason? This could be either draft pick or a free agent. Or uh, Adam, Adam Troutman. Okay. Do you prefer to write or host a podcast? Oh, I can't pick. I love them both. <laughs> I love them both. I do one every day. I do the other every other day. So maybe that helps. But, uh, yeah, it's, that's, a, that's a hard one to pick. I like them both too much. Okay. Favorite vacation spot? Oh, San Diego, man. I love San Diego. What about? I've never been there. What about? It? I'm a huge fan. It's just a chill atmosphere. The weather is always fantastic. You can get nice little places on, you know, just off the beach if you want to live that type of life and just be isolated for a little bit, which is fantastic right now. Uh, or you can grab a place that's a little bit closer to downtown, like the Gaslamp District and stuff like that, that gets you to where you're a little bit amongst the hustle and bustle. You can walk to your favorite shops, local spots, and everything like that. I love San Diego. And my dog, for whatever reason, she's, she's not very well behaved. In San Diego, <laughs> she's perfect. She's perfect in San Diego. I don't know really? what it is. But because it's my dog's favorite favorite spot, it's become my favorite spot because I can actually tolerate her. So it's fantastic. I like it. I like that. <laughs> so kind of picking back off of that vacation uh, kind of question or thought there, what's a place you want to go but you've never been? Uh, that would be Johannesburg probably, South Africa. Uh, either, either Johannesburg or up to, you know, Look, South Africa is a very different type of Africa than it the is. Africa that everybody thinks it of. Is. You know what I'm saying? So uh, either, either there or somewhere within, um, within the, what would it be? It would be the West Coast 
of Africa, just understanding our history a little bit more and getting a little bit more involved in that. What's the, what's your favorite thing about what you do? And this is all about talking about the saints. What's your favorite thing that you love about the jobs you have? Yeah, mine unequivocally is the connection to the fan base, the listenership, and the readership. When I say fan base, I don't mean my fan base. I'm talking about the Saints fan base. Right, right, right. Everything, that nation. I, I love it. I, I always, you know, I, I host a solo show at Locked on Saints, but I always refer to it as what we are doing on the show. I refer to it to our show because I always look at it as the listener show just as much as it is my own. That's one of my favorite parts about being able to do this is just the people that I get to come in, ta- in contact with and that I get to talk to on a daily basis that otherwise I would have never experienced. And I think that a part of that, that's part of what, why we love sports so much is mm-hmm. because it brings people together that otherwise would have no into one another. And so I, I appreciate that more than anything else. And guys, one thing that I love about what Ross does, and I've been watching some stuff on Twitter, him and I actually came across each other via a mock draft mm-hmm. uh, from the MTMV Sports Podcast Network. Right, I think it was right before the draft, actually. And I started following on Twitter and he does a lot of listener questions. So when he Mm -hmm. says our show, I mean, he's being legit. He's not, it's not just his voice. (laughs) There's the hotline that he has some Twitter questions that way, Facebook. So it's, he does a lot of interaction with listeners, with fans. And uh, I do love that. And I could tell from your interactions with fans on Twitter, you love getting their feedback as well. Yeah, absolutely, man. No, I appreciate you. I appreciate your recognition of that, man. Like that's, that's my favorite part is just being able to interact with people and then also give people an understanding that like, look, just because we cover these teams, just because we're out here with microphones in our faces and like our faces on, on screens and whatever that we're not inaccessible. Right. And especially I'm, I'm probably going to get a little bit too real for a second, but this is who I am. So whatever, deal with it. Uh, when we look at everything that's been going on across the country lately, you look at, you know, uh, you look at George Floyd, you look at Breonna Taylor. A lot of times, like the biggest representation that sometimes we see ourselves in terms of the reflection of ourselves on television is these videos where something like that is happening to us. So instead, I love very much being a part of a community of people much like yourself to where we are showing people examples of themselves and reflecting people, reflecting people within this type of a venue to where we're saying you can see yourself in this, not just in that. I think that that's incredibly important and something that I I very much look forward to continuing to doing with every, every opportunity that I get. A game you would love to attend in any sport. Ooh, Uh, uh, in, in particular upcoming games. They don't matter. I'll tell you, I would love nothing more. I know it's not safe. But I would love nothing more than to attend the Pelicans Jazz opening night game to the NBA bubble. There is Ooh. just something the people that are going to be that are going to be able to bear witness to that in person are going to see something from an angle and from a perspective that no other person is ever going to experience. There's something incredibly inclusive in that, or excuse me, inc- exclusive in that that I think is something special. And so that's the first thing that comes to mind. I can talk about any Saints game that I want. I go to a Saints game. That's no problem. But when you get into these situations where like these guys are playing in bubbles, and they're uber protected and everything like that, just having the exclusive experience of being in a position to where you're seeing that and then even following that up with the Lakers and Clippers game later on that night, uh, that would be something I would give just about anything I could in order to be there for something like that. Interesting you said that because I was not trying to go on a rabbit trail before my last two points here. Now but good. with that being said, I honestly believe from what we saw with the basketball tournament that was just on TV mm-hmm. uh, via ESPN, and I believe it was the semifinal game. I got home on Sunday a little bit late and I didn't watch the game. I turned it on and I saw one guy make a shot, Elam ending, he needed a three to win the mm. game, knocked it in, and then you saw those brothers on the other end of the court oh, hugging each goodness. other, holding each other like they had won the championship, but right. they hadn't won the championship. So I'm anticipating that type of intensity because you know like some of the times on the court, those guys are knowing 
there's so many writers here. There's so many media yep. members here. My mama's in the stands. They right. know they can't do certain things and they can't be, well, they want to be a little bit more assertive and more aggressive or say mm-hmm. certain things, but there's so many other people there. And I think we're going to see a level of intensity, especially in that first day for game one and game two, mm-hmm. that will be reminiscent of what we saw in the basketball tournament. Those guys are playing for a million dollars to potentially win it. Right. These guys are pay- playing for not just their contract, but incentive money. Some mm-hmm. players are giving their money to other organizations due to what, what's going on, which you yeah. mentioned uh, Shout earlier. Out to your holiday. Yes. I think it's like $5.3 million. I'm like, bro, mm-hmm. go, go keep on doing it. Yep, so I am, in look, I am looking forward to that because I, I believe the intensity, you already mentioned a little bit of it, but the mm-hmm. intensity will be a whole lot higher than normal. It'll be a little, it will be weird in the beginning because it's like, hold on, I can hear you louder than right. normal. I can hear the squeaks of the court louder than normal. But once they get all that stuff out of their head and realize they ain't no broadcasters here, a lot of these guys will be calling the game from home. I can do whatever I want to. Yeah. I can say what I want to. I can push you a little bit harder. I can give you that nudge. And, man, I think the intensity that we're going to find in the first couple of days and then going on through the rest of the NBA season and playoffs, it'll be something that we'll never see again. Oh, for real. It's going to be something special. And I want to shout out my friend uh, Jake Madison, who was locked on Pelicans, because he brought up this point that goes hand-in-hand hand with what you're talking about. Usually – these teams, and, and this could potentially factor into the NFL season too if there are no fans, usually these teams rely on energy from the audience, in particular the home team, looking at building momentum. Now, without an audience there, the bench is going to be vital. Yes. And the teams that get along with one another, the teams that actually like each other on that team, there's going to be something that separates them from the rest of the pack in this, in this, this, this bubble, whether it be the seeding games, the play-in or the playoff. I think that's going to be a huge part of just being able to watch these guys really go above and beyond on the bench to keep the guys, you know, keep their five on the court hype and moving. And I think it's going to be something really, really special to see. I agree with you, man. Two more very quickly. Who would win? These are both basketball questions or mm-hmm. thoughts. Who would win in a game of one-on-one, Michael mm-hmm. Jordan or LeBron? Michael Jordan. I-, I can't. I can't not go against Michael Jordan. I am with you, but that was a quick answer. A yep. lot of people, they have to kind of delay and think about that one. Yeah, Michael Jordan. Kobe That's Bryant. Oh, we go on that all day. Um, Kobe Bryant is unfortunately no longer with us, but mm-hmm. we got to see his legacy playing legacy shortly a little bit after that with his, mm-hmm. the girl hashtag girl dad and everything else he was doing after his career. And even now we're still seeing him. We're learning more and more about the man Kobe Bryant, not the basketball player, right. but the individual, the man and the husband and the father that he is. But what's your favorite or what sticks out about Kobe's playing career in your mind? Elaborate. I don't care. Oh, the co- oh, his playing career in particular? Mm-hmm. I think it would be – I think it would be – I'm thinking about young Kobe. I'm thinking about eight Kobe. Okay. And just that mentality from this young cat coming in, 19, eight, you know, 19, 20 years old at this point where the Mamba mentality moniker started for him and everything like that, and just watching him. I can't remember how old I was. I know I was, I was you know, young enough to be – you know, for that to be an impressionable thing for me. I remember watching that. And finally, Kobe was the guy that I could point to and say, and and something I'd heard about all the time, all the time about how important it was. Kobe was the first person I was able to point to and articulate and say, that's what work ethic looks like. Mm -hmm. That is what dedication looks like. And I think that was one of my, one of my favorite parts about watching Kobe was just essentially the example that he set as somebody that said, I'm going all in at everything that I do. 
sometimes that got him in trouble, but I'm going all in at everything that I do. And, uh, and on this court, I am, you know, I am the judge, the jury, the executioner. I am everybody's, I am everybody. Everyone reports to me on this court and just that charge that he had and the evolution of that be after the Jordan era, understanding the Jordan mentality and then going into the Mamba mentality and that evolution of it was just something that was so like un, unequivocally, like you can't, you can't equate that to anything else that we've seen so far. I mean, there's been times where we talk about like, oh, look, LeBron is locked in or like the Derrick Rose after he hit the, after he hit that game winner and they lifted him up and he was just stone cold. Like there's all these things that are like, yes, yeah, there are all these things that are like memorialized as moments. Whereas for Kobe, it was a lifestyle. It was a leadership situation. It was an example. It was a circumstance that he set for himself and a condition under which he operated at all times on the court. And that was something that I, I will never, ever, ever forget and hope to be able to put the same type of fervor into my own avenues in terms of my dedication, my drive, and for all of us to be able to do that as well as, as a means of continuing his legacy in terms of how he affected literally everyone around the world. He did. Ross, this has been a lot of fun. We'll definitely have you on hoping season comes around. I, I, I'm, I got more, I have more hope that there'll be a professional NFL season versus college. I'm a big college guy, but yeah, with the yeah. news going on right now, it's yeah. too many minute <laughs> details. It's like, y'all ain't ready for this. The country ain't ready for this. And I don't know how in the world they're going to try and pull this baby off. Yeah. I, the way I describe it is that as, as confident as I am that there will not be a college football season, that is how confident I am that there will be a professional football season. And so I, I'm very confident that we'll get there. And those on the podcast, I'm going to get to promote you in a second, but those on the podcast know that I have been very optimistic the entire time saying, mm-hmm. yes, there will be. Will there be fans? I don't know. Possibly be fans. I mean, sign mm-hmm. away. I, the waiver, the best, whatever you want. Like, you can say whatever you want to try to say, yeah, there'll be fans in the stands and there'll be a season for college football in the NFL. But the yeah. NFL, man, I, I mean, excuse me, college, I, I don't think they, and I know the NFL has it. I mean, there's, there's talks right now that, in, that NFL teams, they don't have, they don't know what to expect because right. there's no meetings going on. College football had the opportunity to get all of this together, have a plan, have a plan A, a plan B, and a plan C. But as we're here with Greg Sankey, they ain't yep. got nothing. They got nothing <laughs> going on. There's no conversation. There's no, here's what the protocols we're discussing are. There's nothing happening. There's just a bunch of people saying, yes, we, we hope to play football, which is great. But how, though, is going to be the biggest thing. So at least those conversations are happening in the, uh, in the NFL. How, Sway? How? Exactly. Hey, Ross, take, take some time. Let people know where they can read some of your articles, where they can hear you with a podcast and things like that, if you could. Yeah, man, I appreciate it. Uh, pleasure to be here with you first and foremost. Uh, thank you very much for asking me at any time, man. I'll, yes, I'm always happy to come through and uh, chop it up with you. I had a blast here. Uh, if y'all are interested, you can follow me on Twitter at Ross Jackson, NOLA, N-O-L-A. Uh, you can check out the Locked on Saints podcast anywhere you find your podcast. It's daily, every single Monday through Friday. So it's basically just kind of like a radio show in that way, about 25, 30, 30 minutes every day to give you everything you need about the Saints. If the Saints aren't your flavor, check out the Locked on Podcast Network. We have a show for every single professional team that's out there. So go ahead and check them out and many college teams as well. Uh, you can check out everything that I write over at canalstreetchronicles.com or at any of your favorite teams, SB Nation affiliate. You can find your favorite writers there as well. And then uh, I also want to plug real quick over at uh, Full Press Radio Network yes. and Full Press Coverage. My boy Dylan Sanders and I, we host a radio show there every every Monday through Friday at 5 p.m. Uh, Dylan and Ross Save Sports. We picked that title because we wanted people to know that we don't take ourselves that seriously. <laughs> we just have a good time trying to figure out how the hell sports are going to happen. So that's what our biggest conversation, our biggest talking points are over there. And we try to cover everything, esports all the way up to the professional, like, NFL level type stuff and everything like that. Of course, the bigger, well-known stuff while trying to give a little bit of shout out to the younger uh, sort of sports that are up and coming as well. So we try to get a little bit of everything in there. Absolute pleasure being here with you, man. I appreciate you having me. 
Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And guys, I want to say, I did actually listen to, well, work schedule does not coincide mm-hmm. with me listening to the show, the live show you, that you and Dylan do. But one day I got out early. I had to catch the tail end of it. Guys, their show is a lot of fun. Oh, man, you will enjoy that. it. <laughs> you, you see Ross here laughing a lot. And it's going to be the same thing. And it's just enjoyable. It's fun to know that now when we need that release, we need that escape. We need that kind of place where we used to go. Some would go to the bar. Some would go to the movie theater. Some would go to the gym. Some would play basketball on the playground. But some places, they may not have poop back up yet because of COVID. There's right. a, it's fun to know that there's people like Ross and Dylan that have a show, lighthearted, fun. You can just you, – it can be your escape in a time where we need that escape. Ross Jackson, thank you so much. We'll definitely have you on again here on the JC Stevens Podcast. Absolutely, brother. I appreciate you. Stay safe and take care, all right? Yes, sir. The Saints have the formula to do what they didn't do in 2017, 2018, 2019. Be a well-respected, a team that everyone knows can go all the way and contend and even get to and win the Super Bowl this season. 2017, Minneapolis Miracle. 2018, the pass interference. 2019, Kyle Rudolph. We all know what has happened the past three seasons in the way that the Saints have ended their season, as I said at the beginning of my conversation with Ross, abruptly. There's no other word I could think of to describe how the Saints ended their season abruptly. Nobody expected them to to get out of the playoffs when they did, but things happened, and the rest is history. The Saints have the formula to go to the Super Bowl, to win the Super Bowl. And honestly, there's going to be a lot of people's preseason predictions to get there. The one thing we're going to be watching is how they are, not just first half the season, second half the season. We're going to see how they handle the playoffs, those crucial moments. Ross talked about a few of them that the Saints need to put together and piece together to fix what's going on. And hey, guys, the Saints can put this thing together. They have the pieces. If they stay healthy, the Saints can do what they didn't do over the past three seasons, get to the Super Bowl and win. Thank you for listening to the episode of the J. Stevens Podcast. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at jstevens07. If you're not on Twitter and you would love to connect with the podcast, send your emails to jstevenspod at gmail.com. Remember to always subscribe, rate, and review. It's a great way for people that search for new podcasts to listen to to come across this one. Then remember to always get the word out about the podcast via word of mouth. The things that we enjoy in life, we are more willing and somewhat wired to tell other people about. So no matter if this was your first episode or if you have been listening since episode one, be sure to people know about the podcast. This has been episode 113 of the JCM's podcast. I'll see you next time. <laughs>